When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and answered them as best I could. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where today we're wrapping up uh, the epistle to the Romans, but some really profound things from scripture about revenge, enemies, and action films, action movies. I don't know if you like those, but uh, here's this one's for you if you do. St. Paul's final words to the Roman church are full of practical advice and wisdom. He has lived this practical advice before them, but he wants to remind them that ultimately the Christian life is a set of behaviors, not so much a set of things that we think in our heads. We think of behavior as physical actions that we do in the world, facial expressions, words spoken, where the way we move and comport ourselves around, where we go, who we visit, who we talk to. These kinds of behaviors, rather than thoughts inside our head, are related, but they're ultimately how we show love to God and to one another. And the behavior of Jesus is our example. Jesus, we know mostly what he did. He did teach a lot, mostly through parables, which for the most part are, we're still sorting out what we think they mean. Um, and yet his behaviors, his actions are the ones that we also learn from and cling to and meditate on. His most dramatic and life-giving action is his crucifixion, his behavior on the cross, is the ultimate showing what, how God loves us, not just telling us that God loves us, but showing it. And that is what um, Paul wraps up this letter with, how to live in harmony with each other, how to rejoice in hope and be patient in suffering. Hope is a very fragile commodity for all of us, and especially these days. It takes a act of faith often to have any hope because our, our hope is not rooted in what we see around us or what we see in ourselves it is ultimately what we see in god that is where our hope is sourced and this um, very practical love rejoice in hope that's something you can kind of do physically by speaking it you say hopeful things to yourself hopefully when we sing songs that's one way of getting hope into our hearts. And then be patient in suffering, to see a longer perspective on everything we go through. One of the symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder is the foreshortened future, where it's really hard to imagine or see good things happening to us or to other people. And so to have faith in times like that, and also to get counseling and treatment for that, but also to have faith that there is patience in suffering, that when we suffer, this will not last forever. Persevere in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints and hospitality to strangers. The gift of hospitality is so misunderstood, I think, in modern America. Many people that we think of as being hospitable, 
um, that have a lot of people over to their house a lot. Um, that is ultimately not the definition of hospitality. Um, hospitality literally in Greek means the love of strangers, the love of strangers. So to be hospitable means you have to be having people over that you don't know a lot. Um, obviously in the pandemic, which um, this has gotten a lot more challenging in a lot of ways to be welcoming to strangers and people we don't know well. Um, but that is what hospitality is, the love of strangers. And it can be modified and changed in many ways as we show hospitality at our church, as we show hospitality in the world, when we go places. What if we practiced hospitality while we drove? Uh, that ultimately our, our driving is an act of hospitality as we all exist in a car in a sort of a recreation of our living room that hurdles through space and time at 70, 80 miles an hour. Um, our little living room as it, as it uh, interacts with other little living rooms that are moving around and the highways about us and traffic lights um, are other people's little living rooms. And perhaps we ought to think more holistically and more practically that way that they are also in their world. And as their world interacts with ours, we do so with hospitality. Maybe that's a different way of looking at it. I don't know. But then he gets into the real nitty gritty that not everybody can be lived in in harmony with. Not everybody can be gotten along with. Um, that doesn't always happen. Things break down. Relationships go through trauma and turmoil. Um, and we get persecuted and people curse us. So he says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. This, this is probably the best standard advice for how to have conversations at coffee hour in church. If you ever meet somebody that you haven't seen maybe for a week or two and they're talking, rejoice with those who rejoice weep with those who weep. So just like on morning prayer, when someone shares something really heavy, we try to weep with them, um, not necessarily with tears coming out of our eyes, but feeling what they're feeling or trying to and sit with them in that feeling, not trying to solve it or fix it or give advice, but to be with them in that moment or to rejoice with them, to celebrate with them. When someone's rejoicing, we rejoice with them. That may be the easier of the two, but not always. Sometimes when people are rejoicing about something, it, it triggers something in us, some feeling of inadequacy in us or something about our lives that isn't quite right. And it's hard to rejoice with people that are rejoicing. And yet that is an oh, act of love, to rejoice with those who rejoice, to weep with those who weep. And then this part about when people hurt us and are, are become our enemies, um, this practical advice, for if it is possible, as far as depends on you, live peaceably with all. Live peaceably with everybody. Never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. The Christian teaching on vengeance and paybacks is that we step out of the way and let God do it. This is hard to do because we want to do it. I don't know how you'd make an action movie about this, but all action movies are based on the vengeance principle. 
something happens to Liam Neeson. Somebody steals his kid or something in the beginning. And he spends the rest of the movie tracking down the people who did it and paying them back. Um, and this is the, the basis of every action movie on the planet. Something is done to the hero early on, something awful. And so he spends the rest of the movie, or she occasionally, spends the rest of the movie tracking down whoever did it and then paying them back, which means killing them. Now, in American action movies, there's often the scene at the end, especially ones that are geared to a younger audience, maybe, or also the, the action movies where we want to think of the hero as a good person. So even as a good person, usually this is how the scene goes at the end. He's There's a big fight scene. The hero wins the fight, and the the bad guy is hanging on the edge of a cliff, literally a cliffhanger. And then he falls through a, another struggle, or he tries to get more, more does do more damage to the hero and he falls so the so the, the 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 hero is really not the one inflicting the murder the extrajudicial punishment the vengeance killing the hero isn't doing that it's gravity or the or the man's own hubris or the man or the bad guy's uh desire for doing even more wicked things and so like the fault doesn't quite lie with the the hero so we can still think of them as good but ultimately um, Paul is teaching a completely different way of handling our problems. Leave room for the wrath of God, because vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. No, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their head. So the goal of uh, vengeance in the Christian context is not to make things easier for somebody. It is to make things harder for other people. Um, it is not to make their lives easier, it's to make them harder by showing love, by giving to them uh, what they, what you think they might be lacking. Food, drink, or space and distance. This is the, the way Paul teaches to do this. Um, and he's, it's based on this idea that God can do a worse revenge than we can do. Now, maybe this in, indulges us too much in our revenge fantasies that we all have about people that mistreat us. But ultimately, this is what um, God is calling us to live a, a different way. So you can see how this would work in real life. It would be hard to make an action movie where this was the principle, where somebody was just going around feeding their enemies and feeding and, and uh, giving them water to drink and things like that. Um, but this would be maybe a, a way to um, explore that. I don't know if there's any films that come to mind about this kind of behavior. But this is the behavior of Christians. It's not a requirement. It's, it's what we are called to do. It's what we are invited to do as followers of Jesus. Because ultimately, this is what Jesus did. This is how Jesus lived. This is how Jesus died. And this is how Jesus rose from the dead and overcame evil. Do not overcome evil. But do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. For our enemies, on page 816. O God, the Father of all, whose Son commanded us to love our enemies, lead them and us from prejudice to truth 
deliver them and us from hatred, cruelty, and revenge. And in your good time, enable us all to stand reconciled before you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And a prayer for mission on 57. Almighty and everlasting God, by whose spirit the whole body of thy faithful people is governed and sanctified, receive our supplications and prayers which we offer before thee for all members of thy holy church, that in their vocation and ministry they may truly and godly serve thee. Through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.